It's Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! Corner with the work, slanging and banging in front of that liquor store. Blowing money because I live life fast on this bottle full of yak. I'ma sip this slow. Singles double when triple beans take over. Now holla, cause these impalas got extreme makeovers. Couches covered in plastic, babies all in the street now. Wear the wrong color, catch a Rodney King beat down. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear there at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Got big savings going on down at MyPillow. Still got slippers, 90% off. Original MyPillows, $19.98. Bogos, sheets, towel sets, six pieces a piece, and you're going to love them. In addition to that, we're now uh, slanging my coffee. You enter promo code steak at checkout, you get to experience all those savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for everything pillow related. And everything morning related, mystore.com forward slash steak. You could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, wearing the wrong colors can catch a Rodney King beatdown. Oh, 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 oh. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram, find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition. Election Day edition. Steak for Breakfast podcast. Episode 157. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's moving today, so she won't be joining us. Guys, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be sitting down with Dave Hutchinson. It's going to be an amazing experience getting to know him. We're going to get in field election day update from our favorite former governor and soon-to-be U.S. Senator Eric Greitens. But before that, we're going to be sitting down with great friend of the show, Ambassador Rick Grinnell. 
Alright, jumping in with us first today. Uh, he's the former ambassador to Germany. He served as the acting director of the DNI and the Trump administration. One of our great friends. We actually saw him in person not too long ago. Ambassador Rick Rennell, thanks for jumping back on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Sir, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh, we saw you conducting rock star-like activities a few weeks ago at the Save America rally in, in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, you gave quite a fiery speech. You displayed more than adequate dance moves. We, we reported that on the show. And, uh, yeah, it seems like you, you're really out there working it on all ends of the, the candle right now. So why don't you let our listenership uh, know you've kind of been on a whirlwind tour all over the country. You're focused in on Arizona today and have been for the last couple of days. But how's that experience been like? I mean, you, you go from working in the federal government, you traveled all over the world as an ambassador, you worked in the intelligence uh, community as well, but, but now switching gears into the whole Save America movement and doing a lot of great work for all these Trump-endorsed candidates. How's that experience been for you, meeting the people face-to-face and uh, doing all the good things that we need to get them uh, elected in November? Well, one of the things that I love about living outside of Washington is actually getting to meet real people, normal Americans, and that's what I've been doing, really campaigning hard for all the American First candidates, uh, working closely with President Trump, I believe in President Trump's vision for America, really trying to drain the swamp. And I know we talk about that as a funny thing, but it, it actually is quite true in that when you go to a swamp, you get stinky. There's no new fresh water. And that's what we have right now is we re- literally have a team that uh, is in Washington, D.C., and they just want to keep real Americans out. And they want to control everything. And so I'm trying to find really good America First patriots that we can support and send to Washington, send to capitals like Phoenix, and begin to uh, have the people's voice be heard. So it's been a honor of my lifetime to, to travel this country and to, to see these great candidates, many of them outsiders like Kerry Lake, and uh, fight for them. And that's what I'm doing and having a blast doing it. Yeah, it certainly looks like it. If you follow Ambassador Grinnell on social media, it's just like, it, well, it looks like, you know, rock concerts when they go to these things. It's a lot different than your traditional. <laughs> well, when, you're with, when you're with Cash Patel, it turns into a rock concert. Let's just say that. You know, he said if he wasn't getting on a plane super early this morning, he was going to uh, crash this interview. But uh, we know he's en route to his next destination. So you guys have been running all over the place, and we really appreciate it. Appreciate it even more seeing you a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, you know what's funny is, I just have to say this, is that we used to do speeches like, separately or right after each other and we decided just to combine them so since we've been in uh tucson and phoenix these last couple of days cash and i take to the stage together and and do our shtick together and it's so fun he's so brave anybody who knows cash patel knows that you know this is a a a true american patriot yeah you know everybody who comes on the show whether they were directly working for the uh administration the last time president trump was in office or if they're out there running in in america first elections right now uh they always talk about the same thing about cash patel how he's pretty much given up everything like you know made himself so vulnerable to all these different attacks that he's come under uh from the media from you know washington dc legally uh the amount of money it's cost him and and the investment that he's made in, in really believing in like you said the vision that president trump has for this country uh i i think you can't ask for a more adequate vetting process than that to see people who you know saying risking it all is so cliche but when you're working day to day with people who are literally risking it all for this country it's got to be a pretty amazing experience yeah and it's it's motivational when you're around cash you realize that this country is incredibly uh worth saving and uh i i I get motivated and want to fight even harder he 
that's what he gives people. Yeah, he sent me some good pictures. He was doing a, a recent campaign event with Matt Gates out in Florida, and, and him and Matt were signing the back of some biker vests, and he sent me that. some pictures of those. They were pretty good. But uh, all right, Ambassador, let's talk about today. It, it's a big election Tuesday. Uh, Trump is all over the ticket across the country, Missouri, Michigan, Washington State, Kansas, and, of course, Arizona is going to be under the microscope. He has the biggest ticket endorsement out there. That's where you are today. Uh, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and Eli Crane, to name a few as the Trump-endorsed America First candidates. What can we say about uh, these campaigns that they've run? They've, they've made it to the finish line. This is the big day. And uh, what are we looking for when the when the polls close? Obviously, hopefully wins across the board, right? Yeah, I hope that as soon as the polls close and they report early voting, that we see a jump uh, immediately for all of our candidates. You know, Carrie Lake has, has worked very hard. Uh, she's up against you know, a, a really a rhino opponent who is self-funding, has just a ton of money and is slinging a lot of mud. But Carrie's got the grassroots. She's with the people. She's not fighting for corporations. She's fighting for people. And I think that's the difference. And boy, if you've ever heard Carrie Lake speak, uh, it's a fiery speech and you're motivated to, to help take back this country. And then, of course, Blake Masters, um, you know, sending Blake to the Senate and having him interview Mark Zuckerberg is going to be <laughs> worth every single moment that we're waiting. Uh, the, the reality is that we need to have a senator who understands technology, who can't get spun by Mark Zuckerberg, and that's going to be Blake Masters. Uh, he's just a smart guy, a humble guy, and really a, a real public servant. He doesn't need this, but he's jumping in because he wants to help save his country. And then, of course, Abe Hamaday. Uh, if you haven't seen a speech by Abe, uh, go to YouTube, watch it. He is a young guy and really taking Arizona and the country by storm. He's a first-generation American, uh, really proud to be uh, an America First patriot, worked as an intelligence officer in the U.S. Army, which means I have incredible respect for all the intel officers. And he's running for attorney general, and he is uh, literally going to be brave. I love his campaign slogan. It's less attorney, more general. Yep. And, uh, he really wants to take on the, the drug cartels and close the border and election security. So we're really excited about these candidates, and I think that we're going to have a great night. I have to say my friend Jesse Jensen is running for a congressional seat in Seattle. Yep. Uh, if you're in the Seattle area and you can vote for Jesse Jensen, uh, please vote for him today. Uh, he literally has the ability to take a seat up in Seattle, and, and most East Coasters are not paying attention, but we can win a seat up there. And it would be very exciting to have a, a Republican seat in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that you could take away from this election cycle, especially today, which is like the back third uh, of, of primary season. We do have a couple elections after this, but they're going to be few and far between as we you know, end by the end of August and then head into general election season is the attacks. Uh, the unprecedented multi-million dollar attacks at some of these candidates and, and like house races have come under. Uh, John Gibbs comes to mind. Of course, Carrie Lake, people like Blake Masters. Do you think a big part of that comes from the walkaway moment that these people have? A lot of people on the progressive left will point out that these people have endorsed Democrat candidates and Democrat presidents or have worked yep. on staffs in other elections for Democrats. But over the course of the last seven years or so, not only did they see Donald Trump promises made, promises kept, but then go out and uh, how much the country has gone down kind of the toilet since the Biden administration took over. And, you know, there's people who are walking away. It just seems that a lot of them have gotten into these positions to where they're able to, uh, you know, get into uh, elected office now. And uh, it seems like it's really triggered the left. 
Yeah, look, I think you got to judge people, and you 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 know the authenticity of somebody who's been red pilled. Um, and I think that that everybody gets a, a, a one time change, right? A one time like, all right, I've seen the light, and I, I'm going to go. But we have a lot of people that that flip flop and are just politicians looking for offices, and so it's up to the voters to kind of figure out, okay, who's the true conservatives? Who who literally has been red pilled and believe it, and believes all of the America First doctrine now? Um, I think voters are really good at it. I talked to a lot of voters over the last uh, several months and they can sniff out authenticity. If you're a fake politician, if you are poll tested in your comments and you're reading a script, they don't like it. Yep. They want to know who you are. They want to feel you. They want to know that you're authentic and that you can answer a question. And you know what that means when you're really authentic? It means you make mistakes now and then. You don't have like the perfect sentence and and you are literally being authentic in in your speak and that's what voters want i think the american people are extremely forgiving when it comes to uh you know somebody who makes a mistake but it it means that uh you've got to bear your soul and and show people you know why you believe the america first agenda yeah it's it it's like a slam dunk when you see how much uh, the country has gone down and, and what some of these candidates are looking to bring back to the table in regards to, you know, stymieing the Biden administration right now and, and getting things lined up for hopefully a, a President Trump run in 2024. I want to shift gears a little bit. Last thing I want to talk to you about, Ambassador, you know, last time we talked about the stuff that you were doing out in Serbia and, and how that was one of your most enjoyable moments. Something else, a lot of people who only follow you uh, for, for some of the work you're doing right now for Save America and President Trump and all these candidates might not know. You also do a lot of groundwork out here in California where we are. Uh, that's where you're based out of, I, I think, for the most part. And that's where Steak for Breakfast broadcast out of. We're down in San Diego. What's some of the things you got going on down here that that's looking to help uh, get this state turned around and back on the right track? Thanks for that question, because you're so right. So many people forget about it. I, I have to start from the premise that the national media are, are missing one aspect of all of the people leaving California. You know, Nevada and Texas and all these states get so nervous about all these Californians moving in. The reality is, is the people leaving California are conservatives. They're the ones who are sick and tired of the the far left policies. And so these other states are getting good conservatives when they move in. They're not they're not getting liberal Californians. They're not the ones leaving. And so our our dilemma in California is that sometimes we're getting bluer. And that's that's the fight that we have to uh, make. So if anyone's listening to this, I hope they go to fixcalifornia.com. Uh, it's my plan to do a five, six, seven year strategy to flip California. And I fully believe that California uh, absolutely can vote red and mm -hmm. become a state that is not solidly blue. And uh, we've seen, you know, Florida go from purple to red. We've seen Georgia go from red to blue. And so what we're doing is we're digging deep. We're going county by county. We've challenged every single county on their voter rolls to clean them up. They've all been a mess in California. We're, we're getting really good work done by having the counties meet us in court if they're not going to clean up their voter rolls. And then the second thing we're doing is uh, doing massive voter registration. We found 1.4 million conservatives sitting on the sidelines unregistered to vote in California. And if you live in California, you know uh, a lot of people have given up and they just think, oh, why vote in this state? It's all blue. But what I'm telling people as I travel the state, don't give up, register, spend your money, spend your time, 
spend your energy in California and give us a couple of years and we're going to make a big difference. Fix California is spending millions of dollars to register uh, new conservatives. And I think you're going to see a, a big difference in the fall. Uh, but it, it, I've been telling people it's a very unsexy campaign. It's going to take us five years and you got to be with us for five years. So uh, commit to give us a little bit of money over the next five years. And I think you'll see us make a huge change in congressional districts, in uh, regions, in cities. And it's going to be quite exciting to see conservatives uh, really come roaring back in California. I believe it. I see it. And I hope that people will will join the fight. FixCalifornia.com. Yeah, when you see the amount of people that jumped on the recall last year, in addition to the recalls that are going on for some of the radical progressive district attorneys throughout the state, the fact that we have a, a U.S. senatorial candidate for the first time in 10 years here and Mark Moisier, uh, great House candidates running in California, obviously like Kevin Kiley and, and people of that nature, you know, Trump endorsed. And uh, we'll just continue to do the good work that we're doing down here in support of you and, and, and the Fix California movement because Noah and I are also in the minority. Hopefully it gets up to the majority that we can fix this state. And it is, you know, such a great place to live. It. Yeah, I certainly do. Ambassador, where can we find you across social medias and uh, any events that you got going on today where the show is going to be out in the afternoon? So anybody that's maybe already gone to the polls or, or looking to go in the afternoon, where, where, where might they find you and uh, some of the campaigns that you're looking to support today? I'll be at all the campaign headquarters, uh, hopefully with celebrations uh, tonight. Uh, I'm, you know, across the board on social media at Richard Grinnell on Truth. I'm at Grinnell, and hopefully people will join Truth. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm liking Truth a lot more than I like Twitter. Yeah, for sure. We we definitely like that. We're going to live link you in the show description today, Ambassador. We'll look to have you back at some point soon. And again, thank you for all the hard work that you're doing out there. Hey, all the best. Thank you. Former ambassador to Germany, great friend of Steak for Breakfast, Rick Grinnell. Thanks for coming back on the show. Coming in on the show today with a live battleground update from the great state of Missouri. He was the 56th governor. After today, we're going to be calling him the Republican senatorial candidate there. Eric Greitens, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Guys, awesome to be on Steak for Breakfast. And you know, guys, it is election day, which for me is also a day of gratitude. And let me say thank you to you guys, to the whole crew who comes together to make the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You guys have been awesome. I appreciate the courage with which you guys go after the real issues. And we have so many people around the state of Missouri and around the country who enjoy you guys. Thanks for having me on on election day as well. No, we are so thankful to, it's been a busy day, been coordinating with Dylan throughout the course of the uh, first part of the show. And we're glad to get you in here in our A block and uh, let our listenership hear our final message from you, Governor. We're going to be getting back with you, obviously, after the primary and talking about your general election campaign. But for today, the people that are going to be listening to the cars, they're getting off work right now. They have the decision to go out to the polls. What do you want to tell them? Guys, it's critical to get out to the polls in Missouri before 7 p.m. This election is actually incredibly simple. I'm Eric Greitens. I'm the MAGA candidate in this race. Was just endorsed by President Donald Trump, endorsed by Donald Trump Jr. exclusively. We've got Kimberly Guilfoyle on the team, Rudy Giuliani, Seb Gorka, Women for Trump, Veterans for Trump. I'm the MAGA candidate in the race, and I'm running against McConnell-funded rhinos. McConnell-funded rhinos who have run millions of dollars in false ads. In fact, just two nights ago, President Donald Trump himself came out and said that my opponent, Eric Schmidt's campaign, was an example of great dishonesty in politics because they're pushing fake polls, because they're pushing false ads. So we've got a very clear choice in this race. And President Trump said we need a warrior. 
I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm running against career politicians. He said we need a leader who's willing to take care of our veterans. As we've talked about on the show, guys, I came back from Iraq after my team was hit by a suicide truck bomb, worked with a lot of my fellow veterans around the country to get them engaged and serving again here at home. They hold a special place in my heart. This election is fundamentally about the crisis the country is facing and whether or not we're going to stand up to it. We have a choice, which is either we surrender to leftist tyranny, we surrender to the corruption and cowardice of the rhinos, we surrender to mainstream media lies, or we lead a great revival of the country. And guys, I'm here for the revival. Yeah, Governor, you know, we've tracked you from day one. You've been on the show so many times. You've laid out your entire platform, a lot of your backstory, things that are going on in your life, personal things. Uh, There are so many people in the comment sections of our social media, especially on Truth Social, who said they really want to thank our podcast for being able to, like, unbox this candidate for them because people report it. There's so much bad press smear campaigns. And like you said, just the dastardly tricks of your uh, candidate who's been helped by Mitch McConnell, who's been helped by Carl Rove, other entities, super PACs coming out of Washington, D.C. And we knew from day one, the first time we had you on here, and obviously you come in as a controversial pick. There are a lot of candidates who are more than qualified, America First, Trump endorsed, who are good to go in the Senate, but there's only going to be one person who's going to go in there and turn Mitch McConnell's world upside down. It's been you. That's the, you know, the candidate we decided to back since day one as far as the Senate goes. We wish you the best of health and luck and prayers for the rest of the day today, Governor. And like I said, we'll get with Dylan and we'll get you back on here in a few weeks to give a a general election update now. Thank you, gentlemen. And I'll just finish with this, guys. At the end of the day, one of the truths that we're going to see play out today is that at the end of the day, love beats lies. Nice. The root of courage is love. And we have a courageous campaign. And courage beats cowardice. Faith beats fear. Our compassion is going to be their cruelty. You're going to see that today, and this is going to be a great victory today. And again, every patriot who's listening, if you're in Missouri, get out and vote before 7 p.m. If you're outside of Missouri, call your friends in Missouri. Make sure that they get to the polls before 7 p.m. Central and vote for Eric Reitens in the Republican primary for the United States Senate. God bless you guys, and thank you. Absolutely, Governor. We will uh, be live linking all your socials and website in the show description today. We've had you on so many times, we know them by heart. And like I, like he said, if you're out there in Missouri before 7.30 p.m., get out and vote. This is the America First Trump-endorsed senatorial candidate, soon to be the Republican nominee. Mr. Eric Reitens, thank you for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, gentlemen. It was good sitting down with Ambassador Grinnell again. No one's been working hard well, besides Cash Patel as he has running around the country. No, we got to see him face-to-face not too long ago at the Save America rally in Prescott. Yep. It was a great experience. Gave a fiery speech, like we already said. Master of the dance moves. Uh, A little bit more for Hold On, I'm Coming than it was for Proud to be an American, but that's a beat-related problem and not a Grinnell-related problem. (laughs) I I do think we'll be sitting down with him again very soon. So, well, there's a bunch of shit going on. Uh, The foreign policy nightmare that is the Biden administration continues to, uh, you know, make America not great again. Yeah. Um, We do have some news developing today. We're going to get into that. Everybody obviously knows that Nancy Pelosi has on her own accord since it's been revealed and we'll walk you guys through it today. She did go against the wishes of the, you know, State Department of the executive branch, the president of the United States, both told her it wasn't a good idea. She was advised by the DOD, also not a good idea. 
And here we are. Well, she's got to go check on her uh, insider trading, you know, make sure your chip company is good to go. Yeah, I mean, she will be getting a tour of that um, and other things. But she's landed safely in Taiwan. On Jug Force One. There you go. I think it was, uh, who, who, who was it? Uh, Silent Meme Jordy showed, shared that Top Gun meme. It was <laughs> Top Gun <laughs> Maverick. Oh. <laughs> the picture of her flying the, Terrible. the Tomcat with the, uh, with the bathing suit on. She, she brings those America last milkers out to the, uh, <laughs> right next to the land of the rising sun. I guess land of the rising nipple? That, that's too far. Well, at least you know the adults are in charge, and uh, you can only assume some of the things they're going to be discussing. Uh, so the president said, don't do this, and she just did it anyway. So the State Department, so the DOD. I know, but like, I mean, hypothetically speaking, maybe not in the scenario we're in right now, but the president is the top of the line. Yeah, this does go back to raise the question, who is running the country? I know a lot of people say it hypothetically. Uh, we've actually seen some Congress people uh, just, you know, ask for it as well. Uh, Nancy Pelosi spoke briefly last week on, on just about the agenda she's looking to bring over to Taiwan. And, and let's hear her try to string a sentence together. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's, it's most of the product that we've done is, except now what we, we may have added in the last day or so. And some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill. Um, so some is Senate-oriented, and then we have the family medical need. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if Manchin doesn't like it. What? So, um, uh, so we are getting some bird and privilege. Bird? I think, I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub, because privilege drug is deadly to a bill. It's important. It's, you have to take it out. But privilege violation can take you out. So so we're, again, getting that as we go along as well. But when we pass a bill, then they will f- see it in its aggregate and make uh, some... Any concerns that any of this is, quote, messaging because that they have to take some of those things out regardless, no matter what you send over? You said you weren't going to send a, a messaging bill. No, no, we're not sending messaging a bill, but we uh, want to be sure that what we send is not birdable or bird bath or this is real. privilege scrub. They're the two um, exercises for engaged bathing exercises. She vapor locked at least twice. What the fuck was that? That was her congressional press conference on Friday. B- bird bath? Bird scrub. Bill. Bird scrub? Uh, is that an actual term? Mansion Bernie likes t- talk bird. That was insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Probably shouldn't host happy hour right before you're sp- supposed to go on and speak right, to the well, nation. B- back to the original thing we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say hypothetically speaking, okay. her trip over there sparks us a war with China because shots fired. Mm-hmm. Have to respond. Missiles away, the whole deal. Like, would she be liable for any sort of... I have no idea how that would work. I know the PLA put out a hype video yesterday that was comparable to some of the best, like, special operator ones that we used to crank out in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, in the wake of 
In addition to that, they're going to be running live fire exercises. They they showed on a map where so completely encircling Taiwan. Every oh, yeah. single yeah, you know thing that's operating out there in the sea is going to be at some point today, you know, right now firing live munitions and, and training exercises. So yeah, training exercises. Right, show of force is more like it. Yeah. Uh, fact of the matter is, our opinion, Nancy Pelosi is trying to score a unilateral, and by unilateral, I mean her alone, win for the Dems, the radical progressives, heading into these midterms, because there's nothing to hang your hat on. Um, this bill that they're proposing that's going to raise taxes for everyone, now they're talking about the middle class is going to be affected, you know, almost 30% tax increase now. Fantastic. Yeah, not including for inflation, so it's in addition to. Not only that, but, uh... You know, all of their foreign policy failures, the Middle East trip, the debacle in Afghanistan. So everyone's advised her not to do it, but she's there, and that's kind of where we sit. John Kirby was brought in for the White House press conference yesterday because they weren't going to roll out KGP when they're talking about foreign policy. Uh, he was peppered with questions about Nancy Pelosi's trip and, and what the hell is exactly going on. Let's hear some of his responses. But if the policy hasn't changed, then why was the speaker being urged not to go? I don't know that she was urged not to go. Who urged her not to go? The president said on August 20th that the military doesn't think it's a good idea for her to go. The speaker makes her own decisions. What What? we did was provide her context, analysis, facts, information, so that she could make the best decision. Uh, possible. You might get killed. Every stop or start for a every war overseas or travel. And again, I'm not going to get ahead of her or her staff here. With res- so the Speaker of the House does what she wants. She makes her own decisions. Yeah, that that doesn't really sound like it lines up with the chain of command in the federal government, with the president being the one who yeah kind of directs everybody. I think that was that was an odd statement. What was even more odd was to point out. Our forest and uh, I'm sorry, our foreign policy stance on uh, engagement with China. Well, in- just imagine if 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 this was Trump's cabinet and somebody that he had appointed that was doing this. Like my, like he told Mike Pompeo, "Don't go to fucking Taiwan," and he just hops on a plane and, and does it anyway. Yep. With 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 China literally threatening to fucking shoot your plane down, they would be. I mean, rioting in the streets is that too repetitive? <laughs> well. We didn't see that kind of show of force from China when Donald Trump was in office. No, nor would we. But I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, if the situation was remotely similar, people would be fucking freaking out over him doing, oh, he, he's putting our country in jeopardy. Yeah, 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 you are. Sure was. And she sure is. Um, yeah, a little concerning, as was our policy stance on Taiwan, which we didn't need to redefine in such a critical moment. Let's hear Kirby again. We said that we oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo from either side. We have said that we do not support Taiwan independence. And we have said that we expect cross-strait differences to be resolved by peaceful means. We have communicated this to... So we, we don't support Taiwan's independence. Not anymore. Do we support Ukraine's independence? Did you hear about that? So it's been out there recently. There was some people in the White House who, who gave a spicy piece to the, I believe it was the New York Times that appeared in their Sunday edition of the paper. The paper? I posted it, and I'm going to read an expert, excerpt from it. 
So, you know, the cover page obviously is why Pelosi's visit to Taiwan is utterly reckless. But if you get into the articles, and now I'm reading from the New York Times Sunday edition, the timing of this couldn't be worse. Dear reader, the Ukraine war is not over. And apparently U.S. officials are a lot more concerned about Ukraine's leadership than they are letting on. There is a deep mistrust between the White House and Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky considerably more than has been reported. And there's funny business going on in Kiev. It would be the equivalent of Biden firing Merrick Garland and Bill Burns on the same day. That's what literally just happened there. It's as if we don't want to look too closely under the hood in Kiev as for fear of what corruption and antics we might see when we have invested so much time, money, and manpower there. This is from the Times? This is from the New York Times Sunday edition. Wow. So that's yeah, you, not uh, supportive. You can catch that across our social medias, and then I'm surprised they didn't make the reference. It would be the same as if Biden eradicated all news outlets except CNN. Mm-hmm. So how was that for my non-regional dialect? I like it. it. It seems like a lot of the things that we've been talking about for the last three quarters of a year regarding Ukraine are coming to fruition. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. KGP would take the podium yesterday and was asked about Pelosi's trip. And, uh, of course, Peter Ducey was going to hammer her with the best ones. Let's hear it. Probably trip over those numbers. Uh, it's mm. been three days now since a Chinese official publicly threatened to murder Speaker Pelosi. Where is the president coming out to respond to, at the very least, say, don't do that? Well, first, we've talked. Kirby was just here talking about how. Um, Saving I have ass. not seen those reports. So I'm uh, just going to say. They were going to maybe shoot down her plane. Is that going to be the, the, the excuse right every down. time now? Well, oh, I haven't seen that report. That. I don't have the data. There's no need for this type of saber rattling. Mm. It is unnecessary. Uh, the president has been very clear. There's been no change uh, in the uh, One China policy. Uh, we continue to support the Taiwan Relations Act. Uh, what we are seeing uh, from. Uh, from uh, you know, what we're talking about right now, and to be clear, uh, the speaker has not confirmed, as you heard from my colleague just moments ago, uh, that she is going to Taiwan. It has not been confirmed. Uh, and, he just said uh, she was you know, going. The history of this, of congressional members going to Taiwan, is not uncommon. It is something that has happened in the past. People take uh, airplane and, rides uh, all the time. So, again, nothing has changed, oh. and uh, the president has made that very, very clear. So I don't think she's going to last through the holiday. She's just no. underwater on everything every day. Like it's got to be. I mean, do you think she watches like, ah, fuck, I can't believe I said that. I wouldn't be able to watch myself if I was doing that shit. No. I mean, I don't think they like. Uh, Unless I was like watching in like a weird, like sadomasochistic way and like punching myself in the balls every time I say something stupid. So it's not like the sports teams where they're going to break down the tape after the games, <laughs> see what they could build back better on. She she plays it at like, uh, you know, when you ac- accidentally hit the button when you're listening to a podcast and... Oh. You sound drunk when you do that, by the way. Anybody listening? Slow it down a couple notches. Ron sounds drunk as shit. I'm drunk? <laughs> I am certainly not. No, I'm saying like when you slow your voice down to like the... Oh. Super yeah. slow. Hit it at one-fourth speed. Yeah. Tucky weighed in last night on a, in, in a segment which he entitled World War Nancy. Um, so, yeah, w- when you just look at it from the outside looking in, the only thing that they can get out of this is successfully not starting World War Three, and, unfortunately, Nancy Pelosi not getting blown out of the sky, um, which, Who, they, which they would be able to come back and, you know. Can we meet him halfway? Chest bump to the American, to the American public, well, pun intended. <laughs> 
that, you know, our foreign policy stance is strong, even though you can't find a military analyst right now who would say we are 100% prepared to engage in full-on conflict with China. Oh, we're not anywhere near ready. No. they. I mean, like, all right, hey, guess what? We're at war. We're not actually going to fire any shots, but hey, guess what? Now we're not going to send you any of the shit you need to subsist as a nation anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I got 85 billion reasons on, on, on part of the way we're not prepared sitting in Afghanistan right now, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. Well, but. Just, the, just the business aspect alone. It's like all you would have to do is – ruin all the businesses that their business entirely revolves around products from China. Uh-huh. You stop sending it, these businesses go under. Domino effect, fucking butterfly in the woods, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It just escalates and escalates and escalates. It's bad bad news. It is bad news. And, and Tucker laid it out a little bit more elegantly than we did. Uh, let's hear him. Taiwan has always been on her bucket list. So many nights she stared across San Francisco Bay and wondered what it's like over there in Taipei. So for Nancy Pelosi, she just told you this is a dream come true. Next year she's going to Disney World. This year, Taipei. This is lunacy. Nancy Pelosi clearly, you just saw the tape, has no understanding of what she is doing or what might happen if she does it. No one wants to say it out loud, but the truth is she can't know. Because like Kamala Harris, she has never even been in a bar fight. She has no understanding of violence or its consequences. And there are consequences, including the potential deaths of millions of people. She does know how to authorize and appropriate funding for them, though. You know, moving forward, we're just going to have to keep an eye on that um, and and see what happens and and how long her trip is going to uh, last and and what the results were going to be. Switching gears a little bit. We had uh, an announcement yesterday from the White House that over the weekend, the apparent number one man in al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawahiri, you may have known him as the the Horned Prophet, or Dr. Doom, Dr. Death as he's known over there as well, uh, was apparently killed in Afghanistan, a place where the... Again? Yeah. So, you know... The Biden administration reassured us that there was no al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan when we withdrew. The Taliban has said they've been fighting up against this issue since the beginning, and apparently he was killed there. Um, I don't know, No, What do you think of this? There, there were wide reports as part of a demoralization campaign that al-Zawahiri died of natural causes back in 2020. However, the Biden administration has taken a victory lap on uh, his apparent Hellfire missile death over the weekend so hypothetically speaking if he was already dead they just droned some car on the side of the road and said it was him well the story was they had found a residence where he'd be he'd been staying in for the last several months and uh on the ground human intelligence reported that every morning he'd like to go out on a balcony at at said residence and enjoy cigarettes Mm. uh prior to breakfast well you know what they say those things will kill you so when he went to light up Yeah, pun intended there as well. Let's hear the commander-in-chief weigh in on this uh, huge victory. On Saturday... Is he blinking? ...at my direction... He's very congested. ...the United States successfully concluded an airstrike in Kabul, Afghanistan, that killed the emir of al-Qaeda, Iman al-Zawiri. Since the United States delivered justice to bin Laden 11 years ago, Mm -hmm. Zawahiri has been a leader of al-Qaeda. 
People around the world no longer need to fear the vicious and determined killer. Of a no Al-Qaeda. matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide. It's Donald Trump's if line. If you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you. Are they merging speeches again, or is this like... It was, it was that like a one shot, like this was a live presentation? Or? No, it was clipped. It was clipped. Oh, Confirmed. so they edited it again? Purposely, yeah. Was he blinking? Uh, he was squinting. Oh, well, at least that's back to normal. I prefer the, the squinting to the fucking weird psycho eyes. Little runny nose. Mm. Uh, Tucker weighed in on this issue last night. Let's hear him as we're getting ready to wrap News 1 here and, uh, you know, talk about just how much safer we feel because of this supposed... Death. Biden, if you think about it, it takes a lot of brass to brag about Afghanistan or even mention the word. You'll notice Bill Clinton doesn't casually drop the term Monica Lewinsky in conversation. He tries to forget it ever happened. And you'd think Biden would feel the same way about Afghanistan. His withdrawal from that country almost a year ago was the single most humiliating moment in American foreign policy since the fall of Saigon in April of 1975. Facts. Mm. There are a lot of ways to pull out of Afghanistan. Biden chose a path that seemed designed to inflict maximum damage to the interests of the United States. He did that. Kind of no debating it. But Biden is not ashamed of it. He wasn't ashamed of it then. He's not ashamed of it now. Tonight, Biden gave a speech boasting that he's killed an al-Qaeda figure in Afghanistan. Great. Feel safer? Of course you don't. Nobody does. And the reason nobody feels safer is Biden's response to the disaster in Afghanistan. Rather than pause and learn from maybe fire the people responsible for it, not simply the self-destructive withdrawal from Afghanistan, but also the pointless 20-year war there, rather than do any of that like a normal person would do, Biden immediately set off in another direction, provoking yet another conflict, this one in Eastern Europe. And he provoked it. They lie about it, but it's true. The facts are out there, and it's very obvious. Yep, and he is pointing out to that late February uh, energy-related threats that he made to the Kremlin. Oh, yeah. Where 10 days later you have tanks crossing over into uh, Ukraine. It's also been widely reported over the last 48 hours that the son-in-law of Ayman al-Zawahiri, uh, Sahif al-Adil, who has been seeking refuge in Iran um, under political asylum for now over a decade, who has been running lots of direction for al-Qaeda um, strategically over the last 10 years, uh, is probably next in line, his son-in-law, as a successor to take over the terrorist organization. So so this guy we supposedly blew up mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to make sure. Afghanistan, remember that place? Uh, mm. oh, he was just there retiring, or he was actually al-Qaeda-ing? I mean... <laughs> well, I mean... We left a lot of firepower there. It's kind of like, all right, we got the anthill really pissed off and now they're kind of calming down and then you're going to go stomp on it one more time. So everyone remembers when they supposedly killed Osama bin Laden, they talked about how, even though he was still the picture of what the figurehead of Al Qaeda would look like, he was no longer running day-to-day operations there. You would have to think for how disconnected they are. The fact that they use a lot of, you know, human couriers and, and don't rely on technologies. They use satellite phones and stuff like that. And the places that they operate in, which is like portions of Syria, Afghanistan, northern uh, Africa, and places like that, that he wouldn't be running a lot of the day-to-day logistical duties that the head of a terrorist organization, I can only assume, would. So whether or not he died in 2020 or, or he was droned to death you know, over the weekend, I'm, I'm glad he's no longer with us. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, 
And like Tucker said, you could tell that Tucker and Donald Trump hung out this weekend because he went in uh, on that failed foreign policy exit surrender and withdrawal we did in Afghanistan and kind of tied it into, you know, this Joe Biden probably could have capitalized a little bit more on it if he would have said, you know, everything in Afghanistan didn't go the way we had hoped. But what it did do was open up the door to end the life of this person who is supposedly responsible for a portion of the 9-11 attacks. But he, he failed to do that. He, he plagiarized that portion of Donald Trump's speech where, you know, if, you, if you're a terrorist and you're hiding, it doesn't matter where you are, we'll find you and we'll kill you. That was literally part of the al-Baghdadi speech. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, moving forward, I, I don't really see us capitalizing on anything other, you know, that, listen, they love bro- blowing up aspirin plants, wedding receptions, and, and preschools in the region. But uh, as far as their record on, you know, getting some of the bigs or, or working real on-the-ground ops there, Special forces-wise, you know, Democrat presidents really aren't known for that. And we're probably not going to get any of the uh, the photos that got released of the one guy that we fucking droned the piss out of. Yeah, we sure well, won't. The one of the guys. But, uh, you know, it's just something that we're going to have to see what's going on. And, and like, as we get ready to, uh, you know, follow up on Nancy's trip to Taiwan, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that. And the Chuck Grassley-headed commission where he's going to be grilling Christopher Ray on Thursday on our Friday show. Uh, you know, we'll be getting ready to bring you all those updates as they unfold in real time. All right, joining us next on the show today, he served in the U.S. Marine Corps. He's the former assistant secretary to the Department of Homeland Security. He's now an artist, great friend of Cash Patel, soon to be a great friend of Steak for Breakfast. Dave Richardson, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Sir, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? Uh, it's going fantastic. Uh... Yeah, I had a little problem there when I left the Trump administration. I was kind of blacklisted for a while, but uh, eventually I went back to to work uh, on some contracts and uh, painting's going well. I've got I just had a show in New York, and I've got one upcoming in uh, uh, Delray, right near uh, Mar-a-Lago. Oh, nice. We're going to get into your uh, art endeavors in just a little bit, but we want to kind of lay it out chronologically for our listenership. Now, your time in the Trump administration, you want to let our listenership know how. It was working inside the uh, Department of Homeland Security for the 45th President of the United States? Uh, yeah, it was, it essentially was the best thing I ever did, uh, except for combat, uh, which was uh, people are always surprised when they thank, thank me for my service. I always ask them, do you know what the best part is? And then I follow up. They kind of give me a blank look, and I said the combat was the best part. And the next go. best thing to that was working for President Trump. Um, I came into the administration late, uh, primarily because I had two boys and um, I, I didn't really have time to uh, do anything. It was it was too time consuming. So sure. I came in uh, kind of late in June of 2020. Uh, and I had chatted with uh, Mr. Cash Patel, our friend, and uh, looked for a spot. And I'd actually worked uh for the agency I went to be the assistant secretary for, which was countering weapons of mass destruction. So I had worked there for five years prior to supporting them as a contractor. So it was rather odd when I came in to be the assistant secretary, um, but I really enjoyed it. And I had a lot of freedom to make the organization what I wanted and to improve it from where I had left it uh, two or three years prior to becoming the assistant secretary. It was very familiar ground to me. Now, Dave, does it does it really kind of hurt your heart as an American and a patriot as big as one as you are to see where you left the you know the things in order the Department of Homeland Security and and 
you know, contrast it to now where Alejandro Mayorkas is probably in the top three of most impeachable government officials when the House and Senate flip over in the midterm elections? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's flabbergasting to hear him speak uh, like much of the uh, Biden administration. Uh, it, it's it's a I don't know if you're familiar. Of course, you're familiar with 1984, but uh, A Brave New World is another good example where they have this. Uh, you just can't believe what's coming out of somebody's mouth uh, when you're seeing the reality on the deck. And I know you're all very familiar with reality on the deck at the border. And uh, it's not good. And it's nothing. uh, uh it's, it's, it's magical. I don't think it's magical thinking on Mayorkas' part. I, I think he actually knows the tragedy on the border. Uh, but I think he just chooses to lie about it to the American public and somehow gets away with it, kind of like, uh, look, we're in a recession right now. And suddenly they're trying to redefine what a recession is when we've all agreed what a recession is for, I don't know how long, probably 100 years. Um, and open borders, we, we all intuitively know what open open borders are yep. and when you can see what's going on on the border and somebody is telling you that the border is not open it's it's flabbergasted so it is heartbreaking to see what's happening in the department of homeland security and and the department of defense for that matter yeah it certainly is you know you see some of the military failures we've incurred throughout the world uh you know the tinderbox in taiwan right now which is going on in real time with nancy pelosi in addition to that the failed middle east trip from that joe biden went on not too long ago and in, in addition to the the withdrawal and retreat from Afghanistan. Um, you know, it, it definitely lines up a new view of geopolitical, uh, you know, items that the United States is not at the forefront of right now. And uh, I'm sure for someone as a former serviceman like yourself, uh, serving in the Marines, you you see these things going on and just can't believe, uh, you know, what your eyes are telling you. Yeah, indeed. Look, um, uh <laughs> You know, the, the ignominious uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan um, uh, was was shocking. Um, it, it doesn't seem like we're in the business of winning wars. Um, you know, we, we kind of green-lighted uh, Putin going into Ukraine. I mean, he gave us very, very clear warnings about that. And, and he gave us clear warnings uh, when we're at the end of our withdrawal from Afghanistan, as we all know didn't go well, regardless of what the Biden administration uh, uh, reports. Um, and it seems like we're in another situation where, you know, people have, have, uh, kind of warned us about, um, potential situation. And yet we tend to ignore that. Look, when you lose diplomatically, uh, war breaks out. Uh, uh, if you win diplomatically, you can maintain the peace as president Trump, uh, very, uh, aptly did, I think it was Cass, you know, that reminded me that President Trump was the first uh, president in 45 years not to uh, start a war somewhere, which yeah. is amazing. Because regardless of his of what you thought about his rhetoric, um, which never bothered me, uh, he was able to carry out a diplomacy that kept us out of wars, and he actually eventually defeated ISIS uh, in Syria and Iraq. He was very adept at that. He was he was determined to win. It doesn't seem like uh, we're determined to win anymore. We just fight this perpetual war right. that, that it's in some ways our diplomacy helps make. No, I think, uh, well, when you look at funding the, the military industrial complex and all the, the you know, pork that's usually put into those spending bills, I mean, they, they put millions of dollars into oversighting themselves into one of the more recent uh, Ukraine war 
you know, appropriation bills. And it just seems like after taking a year off of funding Afghanistan and then seeing what could potentially come out of Ukraine, I know people within the White House leaked to the New York Times over the weekend that they're extremely concerned with the leadership in Ukraine and where that's all going right now. And it seems like at a time where we just keep funneling money over there, we found a way to restock those coffers in regards to, uh, you know, getting the money pour, pouring into what, what could potentially be an endless war. I mean, that conflict could, could hypothetically never end. And, and even though they'd always, you know, be having skirmishes over, uh, you know, historically geographic locations in, in Russia and Ukraine, you, you could just keep sending the money and weaponry over there and, and earmarking all that stuff within the budgets. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a strange situation. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've changed my mind on the military industrial complex. I, I read an article re- recently about how we're coming to the end of an era that essentially started with World War II, um, which was large. We've always had some of it in bureaucracy, particularly after the American Civil War and on through World War One, but it ballooned after World War II. And then you have, I mean, obviously the, the U.S. government is, is the largest supplier of um, uh, payments in, in the United States. I mean, they, they don't make anything, as, as our friend Rush Limbaugh, bless his soul, uh, was fond of pointing out. The government doesn't make anything, but they pay everybody else to do something. And I'm from the Washington, D.C. area, and I used to kind of ignore, you know, the, the, the rumors and the things about the military-industrial complex, but I don't really anymore, and I think we're coming to an end of an era in that sense. Um, I don't know all, all the details, um, but the Ukraine thing, seem, thing seems very odd. Yeah. Um, regardless of what you think about uh, Vladimir Putin, we tend to call him crazy uh, and we say that his invasion of Ukraine was not well thought out. And I, and I beg to differ. I, I think he I think he took a look around and he decided and he measured uh, his um, relative strength to the West, led by the United States. And all things considered, he didn't think he could probably beat us in a land battle in uh, Western Europe. But he did think he could best us in a limited war in some place like Ukraine. Uh, and it seems that he has. A lot of folks say, well, he was trying to invade Ukraine. I think more importantly, he was going after the eastern, uh, that would be the, yeah, the eastern provinces in Ukraine yeah. as a land bridge to the Crimea. And we're kind of fueling the fight uh, for funding. You know, I got it. Uh, I don't think I don't think anybody expected somebody like uh, Zelensky to come out as kind of a folk here, which he has, and rightly so. Um, but I think we characterized uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, very wrongly. And now we're kind of stuck in a situation where we're supporting the Ukrainians, a situation we could have well avoided uh, if we had not. Uh, look, um, NATO did not want um Ukraine, because Ukraine was essentially too corrupt. Sure. And now we, we fueled that fire, uh, and now we're fueling it with money and weapons. Yeah, which is very dangerous. We've already seen reports of some of them coming out on the black market. Uh, they've made some appearances in Syria. They've made some appearances in Pakistan. Um, and, and it's it's highly you know alarming to see such a corrupt nation dealing with so much money and, and uh, military logistical support including weaponry from the United States and, and some of its, you know, larger NATO allies that are capable of doing that. I want to switch gears a little bit. So Cash Patel is a great friend of Steak for Breakfast. He comes on the show about two times a month. Uh, we've developed a really good friendship with him over the last year, year and a half. I know you've been friends with him for a long time. 
right before we started recording today, you said you had a good little uh, story about him. It seems like whether it's Rick Grinnell or Devin Nunez, Matt Whitaker, or anybody that's really close to Cash, whenever they come on, they got a great story about him. And, and believe me, he's the first to send a zinger their way, too. Uh, let's hear what you got in, in, in all of your experiences with uh, Mr. Cash Patel. And look, I think I'm about uh, 15 years older than Cash. And I met Cash in 2013, I think it was, when he was a defender for um, – Dade County, and he had just done a big case, and my friend David Maiman introduced us. I was down uh, with Art Basel. We were at another place, and Cash showed up. And then uh, a couple years later, uh, David Maiman called me and said, hey, Cash is moving to Washington, D.C. Could you link up with him? So on, on the coldest day of the year, I think it was 2014 or 15. I can't remember exactly. I think it was, it was, it was freezing. It must have been 14. Um, I met Cash in a, in a, in a bar downtown and we kind of chatted and, and I saw him a couple times after that. And then it was probably nine months later that I met Cash and we were having a cigar and uh, in a bar and Cash, we were talking politics. <laughs> Cash leaned over. <laughs> he said to me, Hillary Clinton has email problems. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all he said. And it seemed like a month after that, that's all I heard on the news for the next, you know, until Donald Trump defeated her, thank God, in the 2016 election. But Cash was the first one that told me about it. He didn't give me any details because it was probably classified and that type of thing. But he did let me know that she had some type of email problems that she was going to have to deal with in the future. And, oh, boy, did she ever have to deal with that. So I've never forgotten that. And every time somebody asks me how I know Cash, somehow I always work that story in because it's such a great – it's a you know, smoke-filled bar, it's dark, and he leans over and tells me something like that. So, yeah, that's how I, I – know, I know I've known Cash for a long time, long before he was in the Trump administration, long before he was on, you know – Steak for breakfast twice a month and Fox News every other night and wherever else he is. I can't keep up with him anymore. Yeah, he's all over the place. He's running around and he just left Arizona this morning. He was doing some last-minute stumping for that Trump-endorsed ticket there. We've got huge midterm election day with big primaries out in, uh, you know, Michigan, Kansas, uh, Washington State, Arizona, and, of course, the great state of Missouri. So we're looking to see all those Trump-endorsed candidates get over the finish line. Dave, the last thing I want to touch with you on is probably the most important thing. So one of your passions is art. And you've become one of the more popular content creators on True Social since the platform launched. Uh, you know, when Cash reached out to me, he mentioned the fact that you were a Marine and that you worked in the Department of Homeland Security after he talked about some of the content creation that you've got going on via your paintings and sent me a whole bunch of them via text messages, and I thought they were amazing. It was at that point where we immediately linked up, and here we are. Why don't you tell our listenership what you've got going on and everything that you're doing with uh, that new passion and, and endeavor? Yeah, well, I got to say this. It's, it's not necessarily a new passion. I've been painting since I was about uh, – I, I don't remember when I started. It's kind of like my boys. I had them here yesterday, and we, <laughs> we were painting, and they, were, they had, I had some canvases, and they were seven and eight. I don't really remember when I started. My mom taught me. Uh, and it's something that I actually got a scholarship for when I went off to university. I eventually changed to biology, but I've always painted, and I painted all the way through the Marine Corps. seems like all these other things that I did, like uh, the Marine Corps – being a contractor, uh, being the system sector were kind of side gigs. The painting was always the main thing. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and cash long before he was in the Trump administration and, and associated with that, he came to an art show of mine. And, and I believe the image he showed you was of, of, of the pink punisher with the red line under yep. it. And it says JV on it. And he liked that piece. And I said, well, you do know what it means. It was, it was May of 2016. So 
it was about uh, five months before Cash and I went to the Trump Hotel uh, in November uh, when President Trump won the election and we cheered. But five months before that, Cash told me I like this painting. I said, well, that's <laughs> that's Obama's Punisher. It's pink. And the red line under it is the red line he drew in Syria. And the JV is for calling ISIS uh, the junior varsity team. And so uh, when I was done with the art show and everybody had seen the paintings, I, I handed that one over to Cash very, very gladly. And we, he, it's hanging in his house and we've used it for various things. And I put it on Truth Social probably uh, a month ago. And, and it, it's been pretty popular on Truth Social. And the Cash says it's fa- his favorite piece of uh, art, which is, which is fantastic. Nice. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of the story of the painting. I, I have, I've just had a show in New York with a guy named Renelio Marin on the Upper East Side, and I'm going to have another show with a gentleman named Bill DeBilzan, a great painter uh, who lives and has a gallery in Delray, Florida, not too far from Mar-a-Lago. And this is going to be a political show coming up. We're doing political pieces for it. I've got about half of them done. I've got some um, pieces titled Guns and Religion. I've got some pieces titled... Um, uh, essentially questioning the uh, integrity of the election. And as that's kind of borne out, particularly in the Wisconsin state Supreme court. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing. So you've been able to take, like put your fingers on the pulse of politics and then how you emotionally see it, get it onto the canvas via some of your artwork. That's kind of a amazing way to, to look at some of the things and through some of the pieces I've seen myself and, and how you're kind of describing it. It's like, Kind of a whole new way to uh, you know uh, give a, deliver a message in regards to what's going on politically with uh, with an art spin on it. I really like that. Uh, you know that's the way you you've done it, and uh, I think some of the pieces you've created are just absolutely amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate now, Dave, that. Dave, if you want to direct our listenership to places where they could see your art or maybe upcoming events, and then some of the social media platforms that you're on, we know for sure you're on True Social, so we're going to be. Uh, link in that today, but we'll live link it in the show description and uh, get some more followers doing all the great things you've got going on. Yeah, look, I mean, if, if you simply Google David Richardson, artist, Washington, D.C., and I can't remember my exact website name, uh, I pop up and you, you can see some of the work. Um, you can see some of the political work. You can see some of the work I did based on uh, kind of my emotional resonance of being in the military and the war. A lot of it's based on Homer's Iliad. Um, and some other pieces in there I did in Korea, um, and there's some portraits I did in there. Uh, so I'm on Truth Social, and I'm also on Instagram. So if you look for me on Instagram, uh, I think it's the official David Richardson. And then on uh, Truth Social, I am Odysseus57, a, a Homerian character. <laughs> uh, so that's where you can find me. But once again, you can simply Google uh, David Richardson artist, Washington, D.C., and, 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 you know, I'm essentially the first guy that comes up. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get that all linked up today. I've already got your website pulled up, and uh, we'll get some more Patriots, you know, directed in on some of the great things you've got going on. Dave, we're obviously going to ask that at some point in the near future, maybe one of the next times we have Cash Patel come on, we can do a little reunion, have you guys both on the show. At the same time, I think it would be a great roundtable. That'd be fantastic. I'd, I'd love to sit and uh, chat with Cash. We can tell some stories and uh, compare compare stories and talk about the future, what's going to happen uh, when uh, President Trump runs and gets elected. Nice. He likes to tease everybody else's future jobs. He was just joking with us last time he was on that we got to call uh, Ambassador Rick Grell. Grinnell, Mr. Future Vice President, which we Ooh. which we didn't do today, but uh, you know, it, it's definitely one of the things when he talked about Hillary Clinton's emails, we can uh, 
you know, know that he's got his hand on the crystal ball and sees everything. So, Dave, we'll be looking to have you back. We'll, we'll definitely get you in here one of the times with Cash Patel. And like I said, we're going to be directing our listenership to uh, follow you around. We really appreciate the service you did, both in the Department of Homeland Security and once a Marine, always Marine, and, and then now as an artist. And uh, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you, gentlemen. Absolutely. David Richardson, thanks for coming on. Stay for breakfast. Right on. We'll see you. Well, it was good catching up with uh, Dave Richardson, meeting him for the first time and uh, hearing some good stories from him. I really like the stuff that he's got going on with his current projects, art-related. What do you think, Noah? Can we get some art for the studio? Oh, well, I think... Maybe he can do a steak for breakfast. Uh, what is it when you pay somebody to do art for you? Uh, con- not consignment. It sounds like that. Can't remember. I'll allow it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we can't stress enough about the importance of today's events regardless of all the new stuff, you know, that's coming in across the wire, the uh, interviews that we're having and updates we're getting throughout the course of the show. Uh, This is the last leg of the larger portion of the midterm elections. And whether you're out in Arizona. Commission. Damn it. There you go. Couldn't remember. Supporting America First candidates and all the Trump endorsees, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Eli Crane, Mark Finchman, Abe Hamaday, Michigan with Tudor Dixon, John Gibbs, of course, Matt DiPerno. Washington State, Joe Kent and Lauren Culp are both running in their house races today in the great state of Missouri. We just sat down with Kyle LeBrew, who's running for a U.S. House seat two weeks ago. And, of course, our favorite senatorial guest, the 56th governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, got the big Trump endorsement yesterday. So you want to be able to, if you're in those states, get out and vote for all those America First candidates. Get in line. Wait in line. Don't use Sharpies. If there's any issues, make a stand. If it's a huge issue call the cops and wait there but make sure your ballots are cast today make sure you're doing your part to get this new MAGA party aligned up and heading into the general elections with as many of the Trump endorsed candidates as we can at the forefront it's the only way we're going to win not back only the power in the House and Senate but get them going in the right direction so let's switch gears now and get into uh you know a Joe Biden's America portion of the news um broke late last week on Monday I saw Peter Ducey raise some concerns in regards to that. Well, no, we teased a little bit last week. So you've heard they're building border walls again, this administration. Weird. Uh, what What was it? Not one foot more? Not one inch more? What What, what did old uh, freaking... Squinty Mick No, he's not even... Eyes. I was, <laughs> was going to say, what's old saucer eyes up to? <laughs> uh, his COVID cough's back, so leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got the black lung. That would also be an applicable one Camilla. of today's show as well. Um, no, but yeah. So due to the threats by the, uh, you know, coming like a freight train, Carrie Lake administration next year, where she said she's going to absorb all of the abandoned materials left by the Department of Homeland Security and erect the wall herself. Uh, the Biden administration has started closing up what they're calling, well, gaps. Don't call them that either because they're not. The back and forth between Ducey and, and KJP is pretty epic. Let's hear it right now. Why is the Biden administration building a border wall in Arizona? (laughs) So um, we are not 
Uh, we're not. not finishing the wall. Uh, we are cleaning up the mess the prior administration uh, left behind in their in their failed attempt. By taking the wall uh, and the, off the, the ground wall. and putting and it And I just want to be very, very clear here. On day one, uh, we returned the money, uh, the $8 billion the prior administration took from our military. We gave that back uh, to the military for military families, for schools, for bases. Uh, that's what that money was being used. That's what it was taken away from. So what and so, you- again, and what we're doing is cleaning up the mess the that money. the prior administration He wasn't going to let her but say President that. Biden, when he was a candidate, said there will not be another foot of wall yeah, constructed foot. in my administration. Yeah. So what changed? We are not finishing the wall. We didn't if ask you. Are you putting up a foot? Walls work in that part of Arizona. Is this the administration trying to get migrants to cross somewhere else, like in Texas? What What is the plan? <clears throat> We are not finishing a wall. We are cleaning up the mess that the prior administration. Are made. you putting up we another foot of wall? Trying to save lives. Yes or no? This is what is. This is what the prior administration. Can we get press passes? I want to ask questions. We are now cleaning up. By finishing the wall. <laughs> is this? We are not finishing. The wall. By filling in, finishing. We are not finishing the wall. By How about filling a in. Uh, is this a, is this racist? <laughs> Because in 2019, when the former guy was proposing a wall, you said uh, that it was his racist wall. So Cleaning up messes isn't racist. racist. I'm just having a hard time understanding how this is any different. I'm not even sure how you get to your first question, to this question that you just asked me. I will say this. A border wall, I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question. Oh. A border wall is ineffective use of taxpayer dollars. You know what? So it's ineffective oh. of taxpayer dollars. Mm. Dollars that actually went to the military that... The last administration, the prior president, took from the military, which took away from schools, which took away from military bases. That's what that money that he pulled away from uh, to build uh, this wall that he wanted. That is ineffective, by the way, which I just said. Then why are uh, you just recently it up? So I, I thought it was great that the follow-up question asked the, the black gay lady if the walls that she's spokespersoning on behalf of are racist. Oh boy! So okay, we're cleaning up the mess. We're not. And walls are ineffective. No, no. <laughs> and we gave back all the money. Mm-hmm. So what are you cleaning up if you didn't spend the money on whatever it is you're? Well, they recontributed back to the money laundering campaign. That is military funding. I wish he would have just said, "Are you building a foot of barrier? Yes or no?" Hmm. And it's you can't you can't look at this and and understand it any way other than this barrier in this location is having the desired effect of not letting people cross here. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you just literally invalidated everything that Joe Biden has said since day one. Word on the street is a lot of people are so terrified of the impending head-to-head matchup between Blake Masters and the current sitting Democrat senator there who has nothing to show for except his extensive 98% voting record with the Biden administration. Ooh, that's pretty good. Therefore causing all of the problems that Blake Masters is campaigning on right now as uh, the solution that... They have to start doing this so he can say border security is something that he promised and worked on. Mm. Yeah. I don't really think it's going to work out well for them. 
I don't know if you saw this morning, Noah, but, uh, you know, this whole Supreme Court verdict, the ruling on things like Roe v. Wade and abortion protections has been, you know, kind of cycling in and out of the news cycle. But Merrick Garland gave a press conference today to where he was asked. There's so many people that really have no understanding of what the Supreme Court does and what this decision meant that are just going over the top wild about it. Facts. But uh, the codifying bills that are getting passed through the House and Senate right now kind of circumvent the rulings that the Supreme Court come up with, which was the question that was raised. And what's the point of the Supreme Court if this is the, what the Justice Department is going to do? Let's hear it. On, on this issue announced today, if I could just ask you real quick, um, you have enormous respect for the Supreme Court. What's the point of the Supreme Court if DOJ is going to go around and, and, and do these kinds of things? Will there be other states like this? You think? I'm not sure what you mean by what's the point of the Supreme well, I mean, Court. Is, um, I, can, I could give you a just long discussion on yeah, the point of the Supreme Court. But, yeah. but if, if DOJ is going to go around but the Supreme Court... And this is not in any way going around the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that... Is it that cleaning the up the Supreme Court? ...and they get some decisions with respect Patching to abortion, the Supreme Court? but so too can the federal government. Nothing that the Supreme Court said said that the statutes passed by Congress, uh, such as EMTALA, are in any way invalid. It's quite the opposite. The Supreme Court left it to the people's representatives. EMTALA was a decision made by the Congress of the United States. The Supremacy Clause is a decision made in the Constitution of the United States. Federal law invalidates state laws that are in direct contradiction. This has really nothing to do with anything that the Supreme Court said and certainly nothing to do with going around the Supreme Court. It certainly does. Man, I wish between him and Mayorkas, can somebody give these guys a little glass of water? Yeah, they're so thirsty. Does not go around the um, Supreme Court verdict and decision. We are cleaning up the Supreme Court. Not patching? Is the Supreme Court racist? (laughs) They should just ask the same questions for everything across the board because they know they're going to get the same type of bullshit answers. So, I don't know if you've realized this, Noah, but aside, well, since he's had COVID twice in the last 10 days, um, Joe Biden really hasn't been... Wait, is this long COVID? Mm. (laughs) Or no, I'm sorry, long COVID. Is it long COVID? Is it the same COVID or did he get better and then he got COVID again? They called it... There was a name for it. They said it was something that was common with the people who took the Pfizer-Mectin, that they would get, like, a redo case. But I can't remember what the exact name for it was. I saw it on Twitter last night. I thought it was funny, so I... Recovid? Yeah. Total Recovid. It's the remix, which appropriately now allows DJ Khaled to do our intro today, because he might have done the remix and had Ludacris and Busta Rhymes, a couple people sing about Joe Biden getting COVID twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I shouldn't have mentioned schlong COVID. That's a touchy subject. Why is that? No pun intended. Got it. So Joe Biden hasn't been seen that much lately, other than a few, well, awfully CGI-fixed taped recordings. Is anybody really addressing that besides, like, is anybody on the left media bringing that up? Is anybody asking questions? Still haven't seen it too much yet. Uh, Why would you not ask? Like, this is like, do you think our enemies who are pretty good at things like this are just going to not notice that we're faking our own president. Greg Kelly and, and I believe it was uh, Botox face Laura Ingram, who we no longer enjoy, not really ever that we did. Uh, both mentioned it in their shows day of, but nobody really has followed up on it. I thought Tucker would have done more of a little expose on it, but he was out partying with 45 all weekend up at Bedminster. So mm. 
Yeah, it looked like a good time. When are we going to Bedminster? Soon, I hope. I mean, we're going to have cash on here again soon, so we're going to have to hit him up a pre-record button. So they asked about the transparency or lack thereof from the Biden administration, which has been a theme throughout the course of the past 18 months. However, it seems in the last couple of days, there's been a lot of really big topics that you'd like to see supposedly the sitting president of the United States weigh in on. Uh, and he hasn't been present other than some taped recordings. There was obviously the Al-Qaeda one that was uh, aired yesterday. And then those two absolute dumpster fires that he threw out there on Friday afternoon. Let's hear uh, KGP respond to questions about it. Yesterday, FaceTiming with the folks, the veterans camping out on Capitol Hill. We haven't seen anything from him today. Can you give us a sense of how he's doing um, with having to go back into isolation? I mean, is he frustrated? Uh, and, and how is he dealing with being away from the First Lady for as long as he's been? Well, the day's still young. You never know. Uh, um, but... Um, Look, the president. <laughs> I'm just, just making a joke. Clearly, it was not funny. Uh, I will try harder next time to be more funny. Um, but um, uh, look, he is continuing to work from the residence. Mm-hmm. Is he cleaning up the residence? I would pay any amount of money to have like a 24-hour, you know, closed circuit on him. Just, just to see what literally is going on here, because there can be no way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, now that major news outlets like Tucker Carlson has confirmed that he's been heavily medicated since before the presidential primaries in 2020, I can only imagine the amount of stress that his body's been put under. That's even. well, that's what I said. It's like, man, when they shoot him up with all the caffeine or whatever it is, Xanax. to get him all nailed down for a speech, like it's got to have a heavy toll on a body that old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a shame to see, but what we're kind of dealing with right now, it seems like the White House didn't really have any answers for the lack of transparency they've had. And, you know, they could have put him in one of those COVID. Remember the COVID bubbles where people would hug through the bubbles? Oh, right, right, yeah. The huge plastic hamster wheels that you'd put your hands through, your arms through the little sleeves and hug your grandparents while you're suffocating them with the plastic of the hug. (laughs) Yeah, remember what they did to us. There's our COVID warning label for this week, too. Yep. So Build Back Better 2.0, Build Back Crappier 2.0 is more like it. Um, Joe Manchin obviously caved on this one, and we're going to be playing some clips of him that have been in the news cycle for the last 24 hours because he's been getting beat up everywhere. It seems, well, you're going to see it. Apparently the office that is oversight on possible taxes that could be formulated into bills that are getting pushed on the American people, apparently they're liars. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but, but let's build this up for you. So it seems that over the course of the, the last week or so, this, this Build Back Better 2.0 uh, could look to tax average, middle-class, blue-collar, hard-working American families up to 30%, not counting for inflation. Mm. So let's just say in places like California where we live, where inflation is already in the high 20s, we could see another... 30-ish percent tacked on to that? What's that? Close to 60%? Fuck. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. So, Marsha Blackburn weighed in. She was on Fox Business this morning, uh, was talking about some of those logistics of the bill. Let's hear her uh, kind of explain it. 
This would be another $739 billion in government spending. Last week, they spent nearly $3 billion on the CHIPS Plus bill. And now you've got this with $370 billion for green energy. You've got $64 billion in Obamacare subsidies, $313 billion in new taxes. That is a lot, a lot of spending. And, Stuart, the more people hear about this, they're going, this makes no sense True. to me because they know it is the small business manufacturers, people that are supplying the auto industry, the appliance industry, people that are doing plastics, tool and die manufacturing. These are the people that are going to find this to be an unbearable tax burden because they have no way to spread that cost across their their own supply chain. That's, a, that's the fact of the matter there. I tried to quickly add up. Looks like around $1.7 trillion in spending mm. uh, in a time where we've now entered a recession. I, I think more of the experts than not have agreed with that. So stimulating the economy with extremely wasteful spending, uh, which includes, you know, seven-eighths of the CHIP Act and $313 billion of green new bullshit in that Build Back Better 2.0 bill. Kind of ugly. Some garbage. Yeah, but let's get to uh, some Wall of Mansion, which seems to be crumbling right now. Uh, he's been taken to task by a couple of the shows. I got a few clips from him. Um, it looks like he was on, well, with fake news Brett Bear on fake news Fox Sunday. And he was talking about standing up for this bill and, and, and getting in line with it. Let's hear him make a case for his defense. Uh, they say the proposed 15% minimum tax on corporate book income is the most economically damaging provision in the bill, reducing GDP by 0.1%, costing Oof. about 27,000 jobs. Here's Americans for tax reform on the energy portion. The legislation would impose a regressive tax on oil and gas development based upon emission levels of methane during production, leading to higher energy bills for consumers and higher costs of everyday products. Are they wrong? We've worked with all those industries all the way through this piece of legislation on my side. All of my staff did. And when they're talking about the things they're talking about. He wanted to state out that they're absolutely wrong in pointing out those. Listen, 0.01% of the GDP and where it's already negative three for the fiscal year uh, doesn't do anything but hurt. I don't know, Noah. What do you think about this? You think drop, well, ridiculously, $2 trillion in wasteful spending in, in a recession, you think that's going to re-stimulate the economy? Remember, Joe Biden sent us all $8,000, not us, but everybody else, over the course of COVID, so we should be happy with that. Uh, no. No? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to work. Hmm. But it's called, okay, forget what I just said. Let me read you the name of the bill only and don't think about anything else that's in it. Oh, perfect. The Inflation Reduction Act. Oh, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> and that's exactly why this is a horrendous way to govern and vote for shit. Because yes, if, if you can have enough paper to fill up a fucking wagon come rolling in 45 minutes or an hour before it's time to vote on something, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we're not really going to even scratch the surface of what we're voting for. So if you hear like the uh, commercial truck backing up noise. <laughs> with, well, it's and, obviously votes. And the only thing that's on it is Bill. Yeah. And so you've got 18 minutes to, to, to quickly glance it over before we're going to make a congressional vote on it. 
Perfect. And try to write it into law. He what, went. For, what could go wrong? Well, we're going to hear about it because he's, he was taking a task. Maybe not in this clip, but definitely the last one. Joe jumped on Deface the Nation on Sunday morning as well and uh, continued to lay his line of defense for the Inflation Reduction Act. I never could get to build back better, which is a three and a half trillion dollar spending bill. This is a four hundred billion dollar investment bill and everything my Republicans talked about reducing the amount of uh, uh, debt that we have. We're paying down three hundred billion dollars. First time in 25 years. They've got to like that. Mm -hmm. And next of all, they wanted more energy. I want more energy. We're going to be producing more energy. There's an agreement that we're going to be drilling and doing more that we can Mm -hmm. to bring more energy to the market to reduce its prices. They like that. and there's going to be a, a streamlining of permitting, John. But they got to like that. So well, I'm he, hoping they just take a cool off, take a good look at the bill. You know, that guy should do a little bit better job of Steve Bannoning him. Did you hear him the whole right. time? It's like, it, it, every it, time he got it, to it, a point, it's like, I don't want to ask him. Sir, I was told I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. I just want my stapler back. Yeah, fucking bullshit. Everything's bullshit. It sure is. And, uh... It's disappointing. You know what wasn't was the grilling that he took today. So Ooh, now I'm hungry. On the back, well, yeah, I kind of am too. On the back end of all these interviews, one of the things that every single person throughout the course of the weekend, leading up into today's interviews with Senator Manchin, uh, circled around the fact that they want to know where his support lies in 2024. You do know the passing of these bills more often than not because of the demographics of the Senate 50-50 with Harris, the tiebreaker, rely on people like Manchin and Cinema. It seems like Kristen Cinema is going to be a hard no because she's already starting to get her sights set up on her re-election campaign, and she knows when she starts voting for big-time America last policies in a red state like it's going to be after today Yeah, goodbye. in Arizona, Mrs. Sundress and Flip Flops, it, it's only going to take you so far. So I don't, I don't see her lasting uh, as senator after this cycle. But in, in addition to make a better case for herself, she's going to not vote on wasteful spending like this. I agree, and I really like sundresses. Yeah, so do I. Nothing wrong with them. Should I say easy ass or? And we're there. <laughs> oh, scissor me timbers. That's usually what happens. Yep. Um, so he jumped on with Harris Faulkner. Today, I, I caught it while I was on the way over to the studio and saw her going back and forth with him on this and then got into the case for who he supports and whether or not it's Joe Biden in 2024. Let's hear it. Oh, you've got a president who is approval rating is like as low as Congress's. Well, I mean, ooh, no, wow. you know right? that are when you, you get into the 30s, no one's that popular. Harris, and that's are you president. scared we're going to do something good to help our country? Of course not. Take You're better than that. Of course not. Are you kidding? Service well, is in the Bible. Like that's what we do. We serve our fellow man and woman. Of that's course. exactly what I'm don't, doing. Don't, don't, exactly, don't make Harris. this personal because it's not. I'm simply asking that you've got a president who can't really help anybody on the campaign trail with the numbers he's rocking right now. Well, and so to have you say this. something like that, it doesn't sound supportive of your own party. And I'm asking why. Let me just why. say this. We're I'm cleaning up his numbers. Mm-hmm. What I have here and the majority party that we have is a Democratic Party. I'm working with a president who's accepted the proposal I've put forward and negotiated, which is a balanced energy policy. That's wonderful for our country. I know people who don't like the president or don't like Democrats might be upset. This is not about whether you like the president or whether you like Democrats. Do you like America? Do you want us to succeed as a country? Do you want to fight inflation? This bill does it. That's not what your team does. The president of the United States. 
Do you want to see him run in 2024? Mm. I am not talking about 2022. I'm not talking about 2024. <laughs> I'm talking about the American bill we have, right. the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is a red, white, and blue bill. Which has this nothing to do with inflation. I wish well, my friends would look at it. For when what we it get is. CBO scores and when we get the things on this, and if it shows that those taxes are going back, uh, you know, for Americans below 400,000. Sure. Uh, you got to come back. We got to talk about it. I'm because happy that's to come the back part that's really going to hurt people. Yep, it certainly is. And, uh, Consequently enough, some of those pre-bill scores came out yesterday. Um, the JCT, which is the tax office that, you know, provides oversight over these bills before they're voted on and gives them a score on just about how America first or last they are, released their preliminary results. And Spoiler alert, it's America last. None other than Peter Ducey wanted to ask... KJP about these results that were given to the media shortly before the press conference. Let's hear it. Is President Biden thinking about pulling his support for the Inflation Reduction Act? No. Because <laughs> what was the Biden response? It wasn't going to make. Yeah. It wasn't going to raise taxes on anybody making less than four hundred thousand dollars a year. But the Joint Committee on Taxation says that is not true. Well, that is incorrect. What? What? So, the Joint Committee on Taxation, which you guys heralded as a, an effective body when you were selling that infrastructure package, is not to be trusted here. I said it is not correct because I will give you why it's not correct because it is incomplete. Oh, they don't have the uh, data. The JCT uh, uh, report that incomplete, we're currently just seeing like the is wall. incomplete because it omits uh, the actual benefits the JCT uh, that Americans racist? would receive when it comes to cleaning up the JCT drugs. When it comes comes to uh, the en lowering energy costs like utility bills, it does not include that. And uh, we have some experts. Don't have to trust me. We have experts that say the exact same. Kimberly Kimberly Clausing from UCLA. Many key factors are left out in these tables, including, importantly, the effect of deficit reduction, the positive effects of the spending on clean energy, and the benefits from low drug prices that I just stated. Seth Honlan, Center for American Progress. Republicans don't mention that JCT analysis includes an imputation of corporate taxes, i.e. the 15% minimum uh, on corporations with uh, less than $1 billion of profits to income groups, but does not include the major provisions that benefit people, including the tax cuts and uh, drug uh, savings, prescription drug space savings to be and specific. So, Penn Wharton, where president... Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So, sure. stateside, that's kind of where we're at. Um, it looks like this bill is going to be a disaster. Billions and billions, which equal almost $2 trillion in wasteful spending. Oof. A lot of this stuff is earmarked for green new energy, uh, not drilling, not tax cuts. Not drilling. Yeah. It, it's it's a shame that this is where we're at. And it's also a bigger shame that Joe Manchin, who has stood strong, you know, we, we, we've tabbed him the Great Wall of Manchin on this show for a reason. He's gone above politics to this point to put the country and his constituents first when it comes to legislation that's trying to get, get passed to directly hurt the people in, in West Virginia. But it just seems like now... He's given in, and just like Nancy Pelosi, on his own accord, trying to give this administration some kind of a W before the, the midterm elections. And with the Joint Committee on Taxation releasing this initial report, which you could only assume is going to get bigger and broader 
as they finalize their numbers and before the U.S. House of Representatives goes to vote on it, that they're going to uh, be a little bit more harsher on it, especially since you've had the White House press secretary, who is essentially the voice of the president, call them illegitimate. That's just kind of the way things are going right now. And as we're getting ready to to wrap it up here, we're going to keep an eye on this thing as is prepared to, you know, essentially head for a vote soon. Great way to start the week after our big battleground edition of the show on Friday. Big election Tuesday today. Make sure you guys are getting out there and vote. When are the results? They'll be out tonight. Fuck so, yeah. Polls start closing about 8 p.m. So for us here in California, 5.30, 6 o'clock, we'll start getting some real results from places like Michigan and Kansas. So, and uh, if you enjoyed today's show and would like to hear the other 156 episodes of Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podag, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, and we're even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download this and like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our guest today, obviously, Ambassador Rick Grinnell. We enjoyed sitting down with him again and getting an on-the-ground update from the battleground state of Arizona and meeting with uh, Dave Richardson for the first time. Served this country well and, and is still continuing to do things that help make America great again. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Q White Memes, the Patriotic Babes accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, and Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our sponsors because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. My Pillow, always got the sales going on down there. Big, big savings when you enter promo code stake at checkout. You could use one of two websites. For everything sleep related, mypillow.com forward slash steak. For everything coffee related, some of those morning activities, mystore.com forward slash steak. Or you could talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. I still haven't tried the coffee. I literally have gone up, turned on my coffee machine, walked away, and forgotten about it three times today. Hmm. Hopefully you'll heat some up later. It's delicious. Yep. The top tier of ear gear and all things related to audio equipment in studio recording can be found at Odyssey. My headphones are the greatest pair that I've ever owned, and I highly encourage you make that investment. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. If you want to take that picture of uh, Top Gun Nancy ugh, and put it on a concealed carry Kydex holster, they'll do it for you and get orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. We love our man rubs at Steak for Breakfast, literally and metaphorically. I got to reload. There you go. Buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it in, throw it in the cooking apparatus of your choice. A few hours later, it's going to be right in your mouth. Num, num, num. Oh. Got them both. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arm has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. The easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like all the gear they've got going on down there and love their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And finally, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck, Dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram to find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back here on Friday. We've got some great guests coming in. Kingsley Cortez, who works in the uh, executive sector of Getter, will be joining us for the first time. We're going to be circling back with former Trump admin official Paige Willie, And we're going to have the... Maryland 
gubernatorial Republican candidate in the general election. Dan Cox will be circling back with us. We'll bring it right back next Tuesday. So far, George Santos, who's running in New York 3, endorsed by President Trump and Ambassador Grinnell, will be uh, jumping on the show for the first time. Christina Bob's in on the 16th. Geisha Montes is in on the 26th. In addition to them, we're going to be scheduling and finalizing with Carl Palladino. We've got Mary Miller coming in here, Vishburg, Carrie Lake after a huge win tonight. We can pretty much guarantee the entire Arizona ticket will be in here. In addition to people like Governor Greitens, John Gibbs, etc. Joe Ken will be here. Uh, Cash Patel towards the end of the month. Devin Nunez just trying to finalize the date there. And either in the end of August or beginning of September, we'll be sitting down having a great conversation with Miss Julie Kelly. Friends of the Week. Got my list right here. All our Twitch streamers in the comments on True Social. Beastie Man 420, Burger Man, and American Nintendo get it popping every night. Uh, some of our best meme makers as well. Let's go Brenda, Simon, Meme Jordy, John Hacker LA, Midnight Mitch, Mad America, The Real Al Gorbachev, Real Meme DeLorean. Oh. Sorry again for that stolen valor on Newsmax Friday. <laughs> C3P Meme, Right Wing Savages 2.0, Mostly Peaceful. And, of course, Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Very important, very critical. Anyone that's voting in the battleground states today should have done their own research on their Trump-endorsed candidates and hopefully are going out to cast votes for them right now. In addition to that, start a podcast. Noah, not bad today? That's not bad. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We are realigning the party and after the next few weeks, definitely beginning of September, we'll be able to start talking about American greatness and how amazing this general election in November is going to be. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 157 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. And we'll be back Friday with Paige Willie, Dan Cox, and Kingsley Cortez. Thanks for listening. Get out and vote. And take care. Between a douche and a turd sandwich because it's usually the choice I'll have. He's going to vote! He's going to vote! He's going to vote! Let's get out and vote. Let's make our voices heard. We've been given the right to choose between a douche and a turd. It's democracy in action. Put your freedom to the test. A big fat turd or a stupid douche. Which do you like best? Oh.